for Israel. Lord, would you help us to be in tune with what your spirit wants to say to us this morning? Lord, we want to know more about you and, and particularly about the Holy Spirit. And we, we pray that Pastor Tim would um, just speak your truth to us. Give us soft hearts, open ears, open minds. Help us to focus in, not on the stuff that's coming this afternoon, even though there is fun things, um, but to focus in in this time and in this space on what you want to teach us through him today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. Good morning. So help me out. Uh, I did a, I, I searched like last week, uh, and I got like 15 different answers for like the 12 different searches I did on how to pronounce the community that's up the road. Now I have, now one of my, uh, some of my church folk were saying, we're going to pray for you while you're in Seberwing. I said, I don't think that's it. Uh, and I, I was in Michigan years and years ago, and I've never heard of this place, but, uh, but I, did the, I did the pronunciation. If you can Google, you know, you say, how do you pronounce this? And uh, so on the count of three, pronounce this community. One, two, three. Seboing. That's what I thought. Seboing, right? Seboing? All right, yes. Because that's why I corrected my church because they're praying for you, but I, I don't want them praying for the wrong community. Right there, I don't want them. I don't know who lives in Sibawing, but but I mean they, they need prayer too. But we want to be praying for Sibawing. So all right, well thank y'all guys so much. What an honor and a privilege. I, I can't tell you. Um, we'll talk a little bit more tonight, uh, I think. But um, I am um, man, I'm um, I'm just amazed at what God does with a life that is broken and honestly useless up to about 34 years of age. I'm just amazed at what God will do when you surrender. Uh, I'm, I'm that person. I am. I'm truly that person. Um, grew up in a very, very broken home, uh, alcoholic uh, parents and a very abusive home. Uh, I'm the baby of six, and they wanted three. Uh, and I'm a twin, even. I'm a twin. And uh, uh, I'm the baby of the twin. I couldn't even get out first. And, uh, but uh, my, twin sister, my twin sister's name is Pam. My wife's name is Pam. Not the same person. Uh, I'm from Kentucky. People look at me like, no, 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 no. Two completely different people. But uh, so my twin sister uh, was about three pounds when she was born, and I was four and a half pounds. We were two months premature, and so we, uh, we lived in an incubator in 1964. That's what you do with pre uh, preemies. You, they stick you in the incubator. And I developed, along with Pam, we developed a severe speech impediment. Uh, and our brains did not develop. So for the first 14 years of my life, I could not talk. I know it's hard to believe now. I am making up for it, baby. I am making up for it. And uh, so I just need to give you a little background of why I'm so in love with my Jesus. See, this is not anything about church. It's not about me being a pastor. It's not about me being having a job. I am in love with my Jesus because he saved every part of my life, every part of my life. A anybody know what I'm talking about? Every part of my life, every part of my life. He saved every part of my life. And so uh, I stayed in those uh, special ed trailers. I don't know if anybody remembers those little white trailers in the back of the school. Uh, that's where I stayed for the first 14 years, uh, well, the first seven years, uh, starting school at age six. And, and uh, Mrs. Eubanks, God bless Mrs. Eubanks, she, uh, God used her to help me speak. And by the time I was 14, now, it also didn't help that I made up for my preemie life 
by gaining a lot of weight between about two, three, four years old. Uh, by the time I was in uh, sixth grade, I was 190 pounds. 190 pounds in, 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 in sixth grade. And uh, today I weigh 195. So, 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 uh, so, so again, just, uh, and I couldn't speak. So y'all know where I'm going, right? I couldn't speak. I was, I was overweight. Um, my mom and dad thought it was fun, especially my dad. He was in the military. He was a mean drunk, unfortunately, and kind of a very hard man. And uh, he thought it was good to have hair as a kid, like burr cuts, right? And so I had burr cuts. I was prone to styes. Anybody know what styes are in the eye, right? Those big red. Do you get the picture yet? I'm going to school. Has a hundred and I was tormented. I was absolutely tormented in school uh, and called every name in the book and, 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 uh, and felt uh, just horrible, horrible about my own life. And then I'd go home to come home to alcoholic parents and abusive parents and, and so, uh, who, who routinely said, I wish you weren't born. And so, and I tell you that not to elicit empathy or sympathy, but just to let you know what God does through broken, 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 broken stuff. All right. Uh, so uh, we won't go any much further than that. Just wanted to kind of set the context that that I, I did. Unfortunately, um, early in my teen years, uh, my dad died when I was 15 years old. I still remember it was a Tuesday morning. Uh, he uh, six foot four. I say he was a mean, lean, cussing, fighting machine. I mean, he was in the military. He served in World War II, veteran, uh, but he came back different, and, uh, and, and a lot of people, has, as a lot of people, veterans do. And so he came home, and, and uh, just, just a very angry man, and, and so I still remember that Tuesday morning, he had a cup of coffee in his hand, all right, six foot four, lean, mean, fighting, cussing machine, and all of a sudden, the coffee cup, I'm just over, I'm late for school, uh, we're all late, for, we are all late for school all the time, and he was late, and, and so we just kind of grew up that way, and, and so we're rushing around, and I'm trying to eat my uh, Fruit Loops or whatever I am eating, and I hear, I didn't see the coffee cup drop, but I heard the coffee cup crash to the kitchen floor, that old linoleum floor, and it, it crashed, broke, and I turned around, and I just saw, just in time to see my dad kind of just pass out, standing up, and then fall. And then he died that afternoon uh, from a carotid artery stroke. And, um, and so, um, so I, you know, at, I'm 15, uh, lost my father, and I, I, my mom and I don't have a great relationship. Uh, really, the only one I had a decent relationship with was, was my twin sister. And um, I did not, at that point, kind of left the church a little bit. I grew, we were, we were easily C&E Christians. Every now and then we'd sneak in maybe a Mother's Day. You know, our Father's Day, but most of the time, CNE Christian, and uh, so I grew up in and out of church. Uh, my ki- my parents shipped me to uh, youth camp, and I would go to camps. But um, I got baptized at age thirteen for two reasons: one was a brunette, and one was a blonde. <laughs> Rhonda and Dolly. I still remember their names: Rhonda Flowers and Dolly Sanders. And that's the only reason I got baptized. I'm thinking those two cute girls were getting baptized. Heck, I'll go in the water. And uh, so. So, so that's it. That was it. And so I grew up that way, um, and um, I may share a little bit more tonight, but just wanted to share with you all, that was my context for life and God. Does that make sense? So that was my context. And listen, your context means everything, right? The context for youth today, the context for you today, I don't care if you're 80 or 8 or, 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 or 98 and 18, there's a, there's, your context does determine your idea of God. And it determines your idea of what the Bible says about who lives inside of you and who doesn't. 
And so uh, I get saved radically, as I told you last night. Um, I used to say radically, Jen, now I think it's just all conversions are radical, right? Uh, so all born-agains are radical, right? So, so, but mine was, like I said, eight attempts, eight suicide attempts in a, in a, in a, in a year or so, and and, uh, and I had the other one planned for two weeks from that night, and, and so I'm crying, 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 toilet paper and all that. So I come home, and I tell, I tell my wife that I have a call on my life to be a pastor. I'm making $100,000 a year as an executive editor in, in Gannett, and, uh, and we knew that, that pastors probably made a little less than that, like 90000 <laughs> And so Pam, who had been a Christian, I had fooled her to marry me. I fooled her to marry. I had. I mean, I was a Christian member. I was a Christian atheist. I was a really good pretender, and I was a good liar. I was a good hypocrite. And, and so I fooled her into thinking I was a Christian. And she will tell you, if she were here, she would tell you that uh, I, I don't know if I would ever marry you uh, if I had. Uh, I'll tell the story maybe a little bit tonight when I first ask her out. And uh, it is a classic, classic scene of, of, of me just like, what? Because she was a Christian, and she had to ask God. Like, and good gosh, woman, I'm not asking to have you to have my baby right now. I'm asking for pizza and a movie. But she was serious about asking God for every part of her life, every part of her life. And, and so uh, we got married, and uh, so I get saved. And at age 34, uh, that summer was a long, hot summer because she had prayed that I would become a Christian, not necessarily a pastor. Two different prayers. And so, so uh, we, uh, it was a long, hot summer. I, I love gardening, and, and uh, I love, have big gardens. And, and so I'm out gardening and, and weeding and tilling and picking. And, and uh, it was a Saturday morning, I remember, in September. And we had a long, hot summer. There was a lot of arguing and a lot of debating and a lot of tears. And uh, she just wasn't ready. And I'm, I come back, I'm drenched in sweat and dirt. And it's Saturday morning, about 10 o'clock, been in the garden for two, three hours. And I come in, I'm drinking lemonade. I remember in the kitchen, and she comes up, tears in her eyes. And she says, sweetheart, if God is calling you, he must be calling me. I don't like it one bit, but I love God and I love you. So let's go. So uh, I preached my first sermon in October, uh, less than a month later, and, um, and we were off and running. So context leads us to kind of now. Uh, I become a pastor, guys, with very little idea that people don't really know the Holy Spirit. Now, you're not a Christian without the Holy Spirit. One of the things I love about absolute truth, God doesn't need a majority vote for God to be real. So whether people believe in God or not matters little, because God is still who? God. And God will work, and he'll do, and he'll do whatever he wants to do and needs to do. Now, we give him permission, free will. Anybody? Anybody? Free will? This is, and what I've learned over the years is uh, we, I think we're just, def, de, we, we have a deficit of real solid biblical theology. That passage in Titus last night, the Holy Spirit does the washing. That's what I said, right? I mean, go home and take a look at that. The, the Holy Spirit does the washing. He takes the blood, and he washes you clean. You're not born again without the Holy Spirit. You don't even know that you need to be born again without the Holy Spirit. And you can't live a born-again life without. But how many people actually live into that? 
Seriously, I'm asking. I, and one of the things I've learned as a, as a pastor, uh, uh, and I'm still learning, and guys, I'm, uh, I'm so humbled and honored. Like I said, my, uh, my context basically would have had me uh, wasted away and, and dead by now. I'd be a tomb, I should be a tombstone if you look at my past. But you look at my God, and I happen to just be blessed to lead a, a pastor, a, a small little country church in Corden, Indiana, and I'm up here in Seaboyne. Uh Kidding. <laughs> kidding. So, um, so I just want to, I just, that's why we lay out these principles that we're going to talk about this week. We're going to lay out some principles of the Holy Spirit. And you've got a handout, and we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. Let me give you a picture. Um, Elijah, can you help us out, man? So I just want you to give you a visual. I'm a big visual. Anybody else a visual learner? Man, I'm a big visual learner. So, um, all right, come up here, man. Oh, there's a table there. I put it there. All right. So Elijah comes. So I'm. So what? So how much? How many people have faith? How many people have? How many people have faith that I can jump on this thing and not die? How many people have faith that if I jump on this thing and die, somebody can resurrect me? Come on, come on. Come on, you still believe in the resurrection of the dead? Come on. All right, I'm not getting on there. Elijah came up and said, you want to try? I'm like, dude, back up. Back up. All right, so this be called a hoverboard. This be called a hoverboard. Uh, and so uh, I was talking to Elijah just now, making, dude, how does that, like, work? And he said the hardest thing is getting on it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. The second hardest thing is falling off of it. That's the second hardest thing. That's probably the easiest, yeah, until I actually land and break something. Have to see the nurse station. Um, so here, I saw this picture, I'm thinking, and I really, I think the Holy Spirit, so here's one of the key principles of, I think, of learning about the Holy Spirit. Two big words, really big words, pay attention. Just pay attention. I believe the Holy Spirit told me this morning at 1033, use Elijah, because guess what I wasn't planning on doing? Using Elijah. I didn't know he had a hoverboard. But now he rolls in like a pro, like a boss. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, call him up. You've got to learn to pay attention to the person. He's a person. He's a person. He's real. He's a person. He has feelings. He talks. You don't have to talk to Jesus way up there somewhere. You don't need a billboard. You don't need someone to hit you over the head with a two-by-four. That's not what a good, gracious father would do anyway, now, would it? And if you need a two-by-four upside your head, that doesn't speak to God. That speaks to your stubbornness. So how about we not be stubborn? And how about we, we be willing to listen to the voice within? There's a person, faith, there's a person living within you. Get to know his voice. So I, I'm sitting here thinking, I, I walked up, and it wasn't just a good idea. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, call Elijah up. Here's the picture of living by the Holy Spirit. So tell us, Elijah, how this thing works, all right? Um, so the hardest thing is getting on it. Amen. So, so once you get on it, um, if you want to go far, you just. The hardest thing is getting on it? Yeah. So, so you lean forward to go forward, lean backward to go backward, and if you want to spin in circles, depending on where you want to go, you lean on right, and then you go like this, 
Oh, you go like this. So it's pretty simple. Um, <laughs> pretty simple. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. You're you crazy, man. You're absolutely crazy. All right. Okay, I'm right here. Okay, all right. So. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to live this week. No. I want to eat lunch in about an hour. So, all right. So I do want to say, look at this now. So I think this is a picture of Holy Spirit living. You and I are the hoverboard. Can you get off the hoverboard? All right. Move. Back up. Spin. What's that, what am I doing wrong? Am I doing anything right? Oh, I'm not on it. You and I are the hoverboard. We ain't moving until the Holy Spirit gets in our life and gets on us. So Elijah today is the Holy Spirit. Watch, watch, watch what happens. Watch what happens to your life. Watch what happens to your life when you allow the Holy Spirit to get on you. Can you go all the way down? Can you jump the ramp? I'm just kidding. Don't jump the ramp. Don't jump the ramp. Don't jump the ramp. Elijah, come back. So you can go anywhere you want, right? I mean, it's almost effortless for you, right? Okay. Uh, it's almost effortless, right? You've been doing it for a while, right? So you've gotten used to it, right? You and I are the hoverboard. We ain't going anywhere without the Holy Spirit. We're just not. You all get that, right? You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere in your Christian faith. You're not going anywhere in your Christian mission. You're not going anywhere in your Christian call. You're not going anywhere in your Christian walk without the Holy Spirit controlling you. We're going to talk about that tonight in Romans. If you did your homework, if you didn't, you got more time to read Romans 8. But we're going to talk about that tonight. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to control you? Don't give me a church answer. Don't, more importantly, don't give him a church answer. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit of the living God to control your life. Because if you are, it can look this simple. It can be this simple, right? Amen. It takes practice. No way. Is it that easy to begin with? You had to get used to it, right? Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How were you? How were you? How were you? Like this. Anybody ever feel like that with God? Come on. But listen, we got to move past that, guys. The life in the Holy Spirit is not this all the time. Now, we're going to talk about that tonight. But this is the picture of life in the Spirit. Amen? Get that picture. All right, yeah, give it up. Thanks, man. I love you. Awesome. All right, so I get, um, I get appointed to a little country church in, uh, in Corden, Indiana. I've been an associate pastor uh, so I have a, I'm a student pastor uh, for a couple years while I'm at seminary at Asbury uh, and, and, and learn incredible. I just have great teaching and great, uh, just a great community of people with grace and, and full of love for Jesus and full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I will tell you, I never learned about the name. Listen, I never heard the name Holy Spirit until I was 34 years old. never heard the name. And I was in and out of church and church camps, and I never heard the name Holy Spirit. 
And, and I went to a, a Methodist church off and on, and we believed in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and potluck suppers. We did. Potluck suppers may have been above Jesus and the Father at times. Don't insult somebody's bean casserole or potato salad. I mean, that's so, but I'm just saying we, we grew up in that kind of culture. And so when I become a pastor and I'm in, I, I get, I mean, something happened. I, I swallowed the Jesus grenade, guys, last night, right? <laughs> something has to change. And, and so it did. I mean, it radically changed. I didn't have to try. Jen, I didn't, I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to work at my habits now. I, I, and I'm not saying it was easy because, again, like Elijah, this was like, I'm te- you know, there's the, and there's still some teetering. But, oh, my gosh, guys, you cannot read Romans 8 without knowing that life in the spirit is the norm. It is the bar. It's the bar of God. God sets the bar, guys. Right? Amen? You don't set the bar. God sets the bar. So what you got to figure out is where are you struggling with the life in the spirit? Most of it's control. Some of it's pride. Amen? And, and so I take over this church. I come in, and I'm appointed to this church in this beautiful countryside, and, and it's 210 years old. It's Frimmer's Chapel, United Methodist Church. And, and uh, now in 2005, when Pam and I uh, take, uh, take the church, man, um, it was struggling. And um, I like to say this. Um, there was a, if there is a flag, let's say if there's a flag with a, 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 a mascot on the flag, the mascot for Firmer's Chapel in 2005 would be a turtle. What do the turtles do when they get scared? They pull in. The church was scared. Financially, the church, was, the church had a couple of bad appointments. If you're not uh, accustomed to the United Methodist system, it's an appointment system, and uh, good, bad, or ugly, but, but uh, it, it, it's, uh, there were some bad appointments. Uh, they were scared. The money was dwindling. The people were dwindling, and so they appoint me to this beautiful little church by the country, a little country uh, church. Uh, it fits like this is about the size of the sanctuary. This is literally about the size of the sanctuary. So this is what we preach in every morning, every Sunday morning. And, and so um, – and so at the time, uh, it, there were a lot of issues. I won't go all into that, but one of the issues was uh, we had 15 checking accounts, 13 treasures, and eight of the 13 treasures were related. And the first, in, in the first internal audit we did, that, that very next year, in January, February of 2006, used to be called Check Day. Again, if you're in Methodist, you remember the word Check Day. Check Day, we did Check Day, and uh, we would look at our finances, and $3,000 was missing from the bottom line and I would I, I I'm just I'm just a goober pastor from Kentucky and like I walk up like so what do we do with the three thousand dollars missing and I was told oh that happens all the time <sighs> some classes in seminary they just I don't know Kendall's experiences but they just don't teach all the classes they need to teach in seminaries like what do you do in this scenario you just kind of back away like pray a lot so Anyway, all this to say the church was not in a good, good spot. But about a year into this, I felt like the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know. I, I will tell you, I didn't know. It didn't happen instantly, guys. I wasn't uh, as a pastor, as a, as a person, as a Christian. I knew that Jesus had changed my life. I knew I was in love with Jesus more than anybody anywhere in on the whole world. I knew that Jesus had saved me in every aspect of my life, every dimension of my life, uh, in body, soul, and spirit, uh, body, soul, and mind. And, and, and he had saved me, and he brought me back into this beautiful, redemptive place that I never had known before. And 
but I had not really known about the Holy Spirit. So about 10, 12 years ago, I began to kind of start praying and thinking, okay, and I reached out to some Asbury professors. I, I reached out to some mentors, and I said, okay, so I am trying to figure out this, this Holy Spirit thing. And be, through, the, through prayer and a lot of Bible research, I started finding out the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the second verse of the entire Bible. The Holy Spirit is mentioned in almost the last verse of the entire Bible. In fact, the Holy Spirit is mentioned along with the bride, who is Jesus. Revelation. Revelation 22. Genesis 1, verse 2, the Holy Spirit is hovering. Everywhere in between, the Holy Spirit's mentioned. So why isn't the Holy Spirit more important in our life? So one of the quotes that I just want to give you, and just, again, uh, you don't have to like the quote. I want you to maybe challenge the quote a little bit to the last page. Last page. Last page quote. I don't know who said this. I, I don't. I, it's not my quote. So if you don't like it, that's okay. Um, but it is a, I think it's a good quote. We cannot focus on the Holy Spirit too much. First statement. Why? What is the Holy Spirit's mission? To reveal Jesus. What is Jesus' mission? To point to the Father. What about the Father's mission? To send Jesus so we can come to the Father. Perfect trinity, perfect unity, perfect harmony. They've never had a crisis management meeting in heaven. They've never had to sit down and work things out. They've never had a power struggle among themselves. And the author of this quote just simply repeats, we simply cannot focus on the Holy Spirit too much. Now, I say that knowing that we probably can we can abuse the Holy Spirit. And here's really, there's three camps that I feel like that we kind of land in with the Holy Spirit. Over here on the left side is we ignore the Holy Spirit. We try to live our life without asking anyone to jump on the hoverboard. We're the hoverboard, and we don't know why it's so hard to not sin. We don't know why it's so hard to hear from God, as if that shouldn't happen every day. By the way, it should. You should hear from God every day. Multiple times a day. There should be constant communication. If there's a person living within you, you should hear his voice every day. We do a, a four-part Bible study. If you're interested, we can sure send it to you. If you're interested as a church or whatever you'd like to do. I've got business cards. I'm, a, I'm kind of a goober. I don't really know about all this stuff, but my, my assistant and my executive pastor said, bring your business cards. Like, why? Because people may want to, oh, okay. So, so if you're interested, I've got some business cards. I've got more if you want them. But we do a four-part Bible study. Uh, it's a, it fits within an hour. It's a video series with some worship and some teaching on how to hear God every day. Every day. How do you hear from God every day? How often? Every day. How often? Every day. Every day. So, so why is it that we struggle with that? Why is it? And, and it's because we haven't allowed anyone to jump on the hoverboard, the hoverboard being us, the Holy Spirit being the one who directs and guides our lives. So as we've kind of studied and learned some principles, can we ignore the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we ignore the Holy Spirit. We think, oh, don't shoot me, don't shoot me, don't hurt me, don't shoot me, don't hurt me. Oh, we think Jesus is enough. And he is. But he isn't. Who did Jesus send? And you remember when he said that, right? He said, it is better for you. He said this. He said this to the disciples. It is actually better for you that I leave. Because if I leave, I'm going to send the helper, the advocate, the comforter. I'm going to send you someone that doesn't walk with me. 
I'm going to send someone who walks and lives within you. Over here, I have found, uh, 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 don't shoot me, don't hurt me. We can abuse the Holy Spirit, which I think is the reason that people over here ignore the Holy Spirit. I think some people over here, because they see people over here. Let me tell you my first quote, charismatic experience. Uh, let me make sure I come back to the word charismatic. Everybody's supposed to be charismatic, by the way. If you're looking at the Greek definition, everybody's supposed to be charismatic. Charismatic just simply means gifts. How many of y'all got gifts? How many does the Bible say? How many, how many does this Bible say you get gifts? Everybody gets gifts. Everybody gets a gift. Everybody gets a gift or more gifts. Everybody gets gifts. So guess what? In the Greek, you're supposed to be charismatic. Charismatic has nothing to do with personality. We've done that with our human language. We've done that with our world language. So, so I'm in this charismatic service, whatever that might mean, and uh, this guy up here, big fella, uh, 6'5", easy 250, maybe 300, big, big evangelist, and he calls everybody up. He says, I, want, I, would, I just want to pray everybody. I want to pray the Spirit into everybody. So, first year, first year I'm born again. Like, okay. I walk up, and, 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 and I'm like standing there. I'm just telling you real and raw stories, okay? So I stand up there, and I'm in line. I'm in this line, and this guy's come up, and, 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 and I'm watching. I've never seen anything like this in my whole life. I'm 35, 36 years old. I see people falling. And so I start praying. I say, okay, Lord, I don't know what's happening, but if it's you, I'll take it. If it's not, I won't. So he walks up and he got he came up to the big old fella and he kind of like oh I don't know what's happening. And he's praying the Holy Spirit in me. Well, then all of a sudden I'm not I'm not there's nothing I'm feeling until he karate chops me on the shoulder blade. He literally like, Whoa! Well, I fall down. I fall down. I hurt. I'm laying there. I'm thinking, this ain't it. There's no way this is it. So I get up, and as I get up, he, I remember. I remember. This is kind of important. He goes on, and he's next to the, he's next to the next person. And as I get up, because I get, I'm hurting. I don't. I don't think I'm supposed to lay there very long. He kind of looks up. He look. Look at this. My look at my face. He does this. <sighs> so I feel this kind of this shame. Like, was that supposed to be the Holy Spirit? I'll just tell you, I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. I think there was a really big guy practicing his jujitsu. <laughs> so, but does the Holy Spirit want, so I think some of us over here, now let me, some of us are over here because there are some folk over here. Is that fair? Some folks have abused. There's a theology, and please don't shoot me, don't hurt me, don't shoot me, don't hurt me. There's a theology that I don't think is helpful, and the theology is that the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. I think that's unbiblical. I, I, I read scripture that says, should all speak in tongues, and Paul goes on to say, well, no. But then we say it has to. So I don't think that's the case. My wife is as full of the Holy Spirit as you can ever get, I think. And, and she, she don't speak in tongues. And, and, and I just know that, that, that somehow or another we've kind of messed this up, and we're supposed to walk here. Is that making sense? Is that making sense? I, I just, I want to track. I want to make sure you're all tracking. I think we've abused. I think some people neglect the Holy Spirit. You just, you don't even know. 
There's a person, you're like that family of four who have five in your house, but you think it's four, but there's really five. But you live your life as if there's four, but there's really five. And you're concerned and upset and frustrated because your hoverboard ain't moving. Right? Right? Your hoverboard ain't moving. You don't hear from God. You don't know. You're just living life as best as you can. You're hanging on. You're doing as best as you can. But that's not the bar that God has set. God has not set the bar to say, just struggle like everyone else. That's not the bar. Do you hear me? That's not the bar. The American church has set a bar far too low. Or we've abused the bar. Amen? And I think we're supposed to come back here in the middle. And that's what we've learned at Firmer Chapel. And those are the principles that we've learned. Can you have too much of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I think you can abuse the Holy Spirit. Can you have too little of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I think you can. Are we supposed to walk with life in the Spirit, awake to the power of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is God, amen? Now, just like, think about this. It's not just a church answer. Who's worthy of worship? Only Jesus? No. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. This is, this is 2,000-year-old theology. It actually goes back three, 4,000 years because we see the Trinity in the Old Testament. You see God as a person. The Father as a person. You see, you see Jesus as a person. And you see the Holy Spirit as a person. And it's, it's kind of easy to kind of, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I saw the Father has the God way up in heaven, kind of like looking down, big robe, kind of a, kind of a stern but kind grandfather, big white beard, uh, like kind of like, kind of like Moses, but maybe a little bigger. That's how I saw the Father. Jesus, it's easy. You know Jesus. Jesus is this handsome young man, flowing hair like mine. Funny story, in high school I had a full beard, full mustache, and I had the BG hair. BGs, you know the BGs? I had hair down to my shoulders, this fly back kind of you know, slow motion. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so. But, but I had this, you got this image. You know what Jesus looks like. Somebody took a picture of him, put it on Snapchat or Facegram or something, and we have his picture now, right? But here's the thing. That's probably not what Jesus looked like. Not at all. And that makes us a little uncomfortable because, oh, that's our, that's our Jesus. No. Pam and I have been blessed to go to the Holy Land the last four or five times with tours. We take our pilgrimage uh, to the Holy Land. We take people from churches and different places, and we have a worship team with us, and and I'm just telling you, when I look around at the Mediterranean folk there, I don't see six foot two, lean, trim, muscle, fly back hair. I don't see it. I don't see it. In fact, Isaiah 53 says he was nothing to look at. Isaiah 53 says he was actually, you're not ready for this this morning. He was homely. That's exactly the word. He was homely. Jesus was homely. I don't know about you, but that gives me great peace. I think my Jesus relates to me. He's not this supermodel. So we relate to the Father some way. We relate to the, the Son in some way. And I just one of the things this week that we want to talk about is how do you relate to the third person? Just a real honest answer. Just don't, don't, don't go, don't give God a, a, a church answer. Give God an honest answer. Honest, honest answer. How are you relating to the third person? Is it I don't? Is it I hardly think about it until 
some dude yells about it at camp? What is that? How is that? So, all right, so here's some principles that we've learned, and we'll fly through these, and, and then we'll have some questions. So we'll kind of wrap up here. Uh, plenty of time for lunch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, how long do I have? Uh, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock? I'm kidding. 11.45? Oh, yeah, easy. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't get in the adult swim time. All right, man. <laughs> I love it. I saw that on the website. I'm thinking, yes. Yes, I got my I got my little pad. I'm a, I got my little I got it over there in my house, my little cabin. All right, so four principles that we want to look at, and you can take this home and you can study with it. Uh, we'll look at some scripture real quick. We'll just kind of share through this. But the season of Pentecost. So I, I I think one of the key principles that I think we want to get to is this: in the Old Testament, we see God visiting His people, don't we? Right? Help me out. We see God visiting His people, don't we? So in the Old Testament, God visits what? Temples, he visits what? Tabernacles, he visits people. But guess what? Guess what we don't see in the Old Testament? We don't see God actually staying all the time. We see a cloud descending, right? We see a, a pillar of fire, don't we? We see all these images of God coming and walking and and and, and appearing, but not so. Even like with Abraham. Uh, when we see, we believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit show up in Trinity form. And again, there's some debate about that, but very likely could have been. And so if the three Father, Son, Holy Spirit show up and talk to Abraham about Lot and, so about Lot and Solomon and Gomorrah, then guess what? They leave and two angels come. So guess who doesn't stay? God. That's what you see in the Old Testament. Amen. What you see in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you see in the Gospels is what? Jesus, what? Jesus walking alongside. Come here, man. Can I use your fruit quick? Yeah, you're right there on the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's your name, man? Jalen, come here. Real quick. I won't have you. No, no pressure at all. No pressure at all. I promise. I promise. It'll be easy. Come here, right here. So we're just going to walk together. Can we do that? Just walk together. We're just going to walk together, all right? And I want you to, to keep walking, all right? Oh. Whew, I'm tired. Whew. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm still walking. All right, turn around this way. All right, so what we're doing is Jalen, today's Jesus. And in the Gospels, we see Jesus walking with his disciples. But what did you see with his disciples? His disciples get distracted. His disciples get tired. His disciples don't always walk with Jesus, right? Give it for Jalen. See, that was, that was harmless, right? Thank you, man. Thank you, Jalen. So in the, in the Gospels, we see now the, uh, the word became flesh. John 1, we see Jesus becoming human. We see Jesus walking beside people. But there's still something more. Isn't there? Jesus spoke to his disciples about it. He said, it's going to be good that I leave because I'm going to send you the third person of the Trinity. And now, where does he live? Now, where does he live? We learned that the season of Pentecost is a season. 
Pentecost is not just something. So, so when we would get to the church, Pentecost was a celebration, uh, and I'll just share this with you. It's, it's in the notes, but we learned that a lot of times churches would like on Pentecost Sunday, they would put like the red cloth on the piano. They would have like a red cloth on the cross. They would pick out three or four hymns that no one knew because we never sing them. They have something to do with the Holy Spirit, and that's it. And there's nothing else. Pentecost comes and goes without a blip, right? And it's usually in the summer. It's June, usually, late May or early June. Vacation starts, so it's actually less than a blip, a blip right? And, 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 and sometimes then, you know, we have this idea that Pentecost is a religion, you know, the Pentecostals. Well, God bless them, but that's, they don't have the monopoly on Pentecost. Pentecost usually comes and goes without even nary a thought among Christians. And I'm here to tell you, I think if you're thinking like God, anybody think Christmas in the church is a big deal? How do you know that? How do you know that Christmas is a big deal in the life of the church? Decorations, people show up, Christmas Eve services, Advent, it's a big deal, right? Anybody think Easter is a big deal in the church, in the life of the church? How do you know that? Celebration, Good Friday, uh, Lent, where you fast dark chocolate until that Sunday where you can bite the head off the Easter bunny finally, um, you know, on that Sunday morning, hurrah, yeah, chocolate bunny. Um, and, but all this preparation, right? And then you come and sing, hallelujah, he is risen. Pentecost. Don't want to, maybe don't know how. I'm here to tell you, I think Pentecost is equal to God, to Christmas and to Easter and Pentecost. They're equal. Christmas, the incarnate, we celebrate the incarnate of the second person of the Trinity. On Easter, we celebrate rightly the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the salvation of our lives and for the cleansing of our sins. But why don't we celebrate the very power that was sent to keep you and me living a Christian life? You can't live a Christian life. You are like the hoverboard without Elijah on it, without the Holy Spirit in your life. You're like the hoverboard. You ain't going nowhere. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And you're going to get frustrated. Many, 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 many Christians I talk to, many Believers, lovers of Jesus are frustrated because they don't hear from God. They don't feel God. They don't sense God. They don't know their purpose. They don't know their calling. They don't know their gifts. All because guess who's responsible for all of those? The Holy Spirit. He's a real person. And, the P and, and Pentecost is supposed to be a season. In southern Indiana, we got a season for everything. It's in the notes. We got a season for everything. We got turkey season. We got uh, deer season. We got 15 different kinds of deer season. We got mushroom hunting season. We got ginger hunting season. We got allergy season. We got all kinds of seasons. So in the life of the church, we've decided to have what we call a baptism season. And our baptism season always starts on Pentecost. Uh, I, I can't tell you that it's the biggest day of the year at our church, but I can tell you it's getting closer to where Christmas and Easter are in the life of Firmer Chapel. 
the Firmer's Chapel, we invite the entire community. We have to hold it outside. There's so many people that come all dressed in red. You know somebody who's there who wasn't there, didn't get the announcement because they're wearing blue or black or something. But that's all right. We just we have we actually have red shirts to hand out to people if they want. They don't have to have but red shirts and 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 we ask you to just just bring in just to just share together in the love of Christ. We, have, we usually have a meal and we meet in the grove. So the church we have this is the, the picture of the real church and right here is there's a grove and right behind it there's the creek and we do all of our baptisms in the creek and we built a platform there and what we've learned at Firmer's Chapel, what we've learned and what I've learned as a pastor is the season, Pentecost is a season. And anybody know, anybody want to guess, anybody want to guess, anybody want to guess, anybody want to guess when the season of Pentecost is supposed to be over? When Jesus returns. Pardon? We got tons of celebrating to do until Jesus returns. Now, when Jesus returns, the season of Pentecost is what? Over. Because now the season of glorification, season of homecoming now, season of the wedding feast, that's what begins. Y'all hearing me right? So I just one of the principles we've learned. So just today we're looking at core principles, uh, and then we look at the the work of the Holy Ghost and and uh, and we've talked about. Uh, so the second one we talk about, and again, if you want to look at Exodus twenty three, it's the season of really that's when the season of, that's when the festival of Pentecost or the festival of weeks began. Exodus twenty three sixteen, and then Acts one one through eight will tell you. It, it goes on. There's a promise, right? That God says there's a promise. I'm going to send you a promise. And, and, and the promise is to can, can, continue, can continue. So, again, just Pentecost is one of those weird things that the church doesn't know how to. We don't know how to do it or we don't want to do anything with it. The work of the Holy Ghost. One of my favorite passages is uh, the baptism of, uh, and you'll find it in Luke 3, which is the reference there, or Matthew 3. So Jesus hasn't shown up just yet, right? Uh, John the Baptist, this camel skin wearing, locust eating kind of guy, weird guy, Nazarite vows, long hair. He's guys, you gotta get this right. You gotta get this. Never before, say never before, never before had there been baptisms like this. There had been never really no baptisms. There were ritual cleansings. So there's the temple, and right outside the outer courts, there's a bath. There's a bath area. And the regular people, us common folk, we couldn't go there. We had to stay either on the outer court or we could be right on the inner court, but that's only if we pay tithe to the, to the, to the, to the temple. The Holy, of Hol the Holy of Holies was reserved, of course, once a year for the high priest, but then the priest could go through the cleansing. So the priest would take uh, their garments off, come down to like their underwear, the ephods, uh, their, their undergarments, and they would walk through water and dry off. That was their cleansing. That was the closest thing to water being used to cleanse somebody. So John the Baptist comes down from the mountains of, of Sinai and comes down from the mountains of the Judean wilderness. And if you've ever been to Israel, oh, my gosh, it is wilderness. It is wilderness. And, and so he's living in the wilderness. He comes down into the Jordan River area, and, and we've been blessed to be at the, we believe, the actual site where Jesus was baptized. It's not the traditional celebratory site. It's actually a different site that they believe. And they kind of see, when you get there, you're like, yeah, this is it. It just feels like it. And. John the Baptist is standing there, and he's calling people to repentance, right? If you want to repent, come into the water. And, and this water, and guys, people are coming, but they've never had no the There was no study. There's no theology. There's no understanding of what baptism is. Today, we argue about water baptism. The church spends more time arguing about water baptism than trying to figure out spirit baptism. 
You got to be baptized by running water. You got to be baptized in a certain degree of water. You got to be baptized in a certain depth of water. You can't be sprinkled. You can't baptize babies. My goodness gracious, give it up. All the while, you're the hoverboard that ain't moving. God cares little about the baptism debates. I, I hate to tell you that. He wants us to be spirit baptized. And I understand the connotation of that. I understand, again, once again, we got these two camps. Is that making sense? Is that tracking? We got these two camps over here. We got, we got ignoring the Holy Spirit. We got kind of abusing the Holy Spirit. And so right here, we're supposed to walk right here. We're supposed to walk kind of in this middle place, in this real delicate place where we, 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 we don't ignore the Holy Spirit, we don't abuse the Holy Spirit, but we surrender to the Holy Spirit. We've got to figure out who he is. And, and, and so the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Ghost, is to baptize us and to keep filling us. That is biblical. John the Baptist comes down, and, and he's baptizing folk. Well, the Lamb of God is about to come, right? John, we say, remember, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And now he's baptizing. You remember this scene, right? They're standing in the Jordan River, and Jesus is like, uh, Jesus, you need to baptize me. And John's like, uh, I think we got it reversed. You're the son of man. You're supposed to baptize me. And, John, and Jesus said, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And, and so as Jesus is being baptized, right, uh, the dove, as he comes out, the dove lands, the Father's voice, you see this beautiful trinity, the Son, the Father, and the, and the Spirit all in one place. And, and right before that, John says this, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me, Greater than me, somebody say greater, who's going to baptize you with fire and Holy Spirit. Don't shoot me, don't hurt me. The greater baptism is the spirit baptism. That's greater than water baptism. That's Bible, guys, that's Bible. That's Bible. But here we are arguing about water baptism. Are you putting that much energy to spirit baptism? Are you trying to figure out what spirit baptism is? Because there's a whole lot of passages in Scripture about being filled and being baptized and being full, walking by the Spirit, living in the Spirit. There's a ton of Scripture. Amen? I said amen? So, again, I said this last night. If you don't want that, if, you wanna, if you're okay with the hoverboard life, then that's completely on you. But don't blame God for a life of frustration. Does that make sense? So does that make sense? Don't blame God. Say, God, I don't know why. I don't know why. If you're not now, if you're not, if you're not full of the Spirit, if you're not understanding this baptism, because guys, we got something called Google. You can Google all, anything you want, right? You can do research on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so what we did at this church, at Primrose Chapel Church, is we dove into those really hard topics. What does baptism of the Holy Spirit mean? It doesn't mean what maybe we think, thought, I thought it meant. Remember the hoya? Y'all still tracking, right? So what does baptism of the Holy Spirit mean? So we did a whole year Bible study on this. We did Bible studies. We did teachings. And just trying to understand the language of the Bible, the language of the Spirit. What does this all mean? Who is the Holy Spirit? What, is the, what does he do? Who is he? How does he work? We spent like a year or more just on Bible studies and preaching just on this. So my question is, are you spending time learning and understanding the Spirit of God? Are you? 
Are you content with where you are? If you're content with where you are, you've got enough of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But be honest with God. I've got enough of God. I've got my life in order. I like my life or I don't. Some, you know, some people don't. Some people like their not like life. That's why Jesus asked the man at Bethesda, do you want to get well? Some people like to be sick. Some people stay sick because that's kind of their, their thing. Sick here and sick here. So just own this. I, that's all I ask is my church. I ask my church. I ask anywhere I teach and preach. You got to own this. I had to own it. I had to own the fact that that I was I was a I was I had to own it. That's why we had this really awkward altar call last night. I'm a pastor. I've done this for 25 years. I know that's awkward. Where's the praise team? The music kind of helps mask the awkwardness. Please, please, praise team, come on. No, just stay. And I will tell you. At least three to five guys came up to me later and said, I should have been there. I still think that's really low. So we just have to own it. Is that making sense? Just own it. The spirit of God is yours for the taking. Live that life. And that's what we try to learn. That's why we try. How does the, how does the Holy Spirit work? All right. Third principle, next page, second, or the back page. So the person, we talked about this a lot last night. Uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time here, uh, but the person, you got all these passages, and these are just a few of the passages, 1 Corinthians, John 14, John 15, John 16. Man, John is a great book if you want to read. Uh, if you want to read into that, man, that's just some really good stuff. Uh, I told you the story about the family of four who was unaware of the cross-based guy, right? And, um, and so uh, we try to teach them again about what does it mean to pray in the Spirit. So I pray in the spirit all the time. That does not mean what you think it means. You're going to learn this week, if you're reading Romans 8, there's one person who can help you pray. If you're reading Romans 8, there's one person who can help you pray. When you Anybody ever been to a place you don't know what to pray? Anybody know? Anybody? Anybody been to a place where you just don't know what to pray? If you read Romans 8, there's one person who's supposed to help you learn, help, help you pray when you don't know how to pray. He's got words. You don't. That doesn't mean a prayer language necessarily. It doesn't mean tongues. We've, I think we've abused that. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be the fuel for your prayer life. So how's your prayer life? Once again, if you don't have, that, if you don't have the Holy Spirit speaking to you and revealing. He's the revealer of the word of God. You know what the Bible says? That every word of the word of God is inspired by who? The Holy Spirit. He is the author of this word. So who do you think would be the best one to interpret the word for us? The author. Right? He's the revealer of the word of God. He's the writer. He's the author of the word of God. My prayer life, I, I want, I'm still learning. Oh, my gosh, I'm still growing by, <laughs> whew, feel like I've got, I feel like I haven't gotten on the hoverboard some days. But, but I want to. Jen, I want to get back on the, I want to be on that hoverboard. I want to be able to, whoo, just like that. I want to just, I, that's, how, that's how I want my Christian. Anybody want their Christian life to look like Elijah on the hoverboard? Anybody want their Christian walk like that? The Holy Spirit is the answer for that. He is. That's not me saying this from a personal testimony, although I can tell you a personal testimony. That is true. I'm just speaking what the Word of God says. 
Romans 8, starting tonight, the next five nights, we'll look at Romans 8. Read it, study it, and, and just really pray into that. Romans 8 talks about life in the Spirit. We don't even know who He is. We, most of us still call the Holy Spirit an it. Try that with your spouse one day. See how that works. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is a real person. And so we try to really work on the person of the Holy Spirit. There's a real person living in me. There's a real living, breathing person. We'll study this throughout the week. He can be lied to. He can be grieved. He can be moved. He can be, uh, uh, he, 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 he wants to speak to us. He, he, he wants to comfort us. He wants to teach us. I mean, these are all attributes of a person. Amen? I don't know. I, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm 58 years old. I've been a Christian 25 years. And when I started learning this, it still just blows me away. I told you this last night. I'm just, I, I literally like get tongue-tied again. Like, I don't even know how to thank God that the God of the universe is in me. But wait, 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 wait. The same God of the universe is in you. No wonder Jesus said it's better. You know where Jesus could be when he was here on earth? You know where Jesus could be at one time? One place. You know where the Holy Spirit can be? Everywhere you go. Do you even know that? Are you aware of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you aware of him? Do you have a conversation with him every day, throughout the day? Do you listen to him? I'm telling you, he knows things that 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 that, that you don't know that I don't know. Him. Uh, can I tell you, um, what time is 11.30? I want some time for questions. My watch isn't working. Oh, my watch isn't working, so I guess we got, no. All right. It's a sign from God. No. All right, so let me tell you a really quick story, and then we'll jump in. Now, we're going to do the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit-filled life um, uh, later on this week, so we won't land here a whole lot today at all. But uh, I will say say a quick word about the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit, uh, about the Spirit-filled life. Uh, so, So I said this last night, right? I don't believe, as I read through Scripture, guys, I don't believe that a Spirit-filled life should be something separate from a Christian life. Remember I said this last night near the end. At the very end I said, I don't think a spirit, I think a spirit-filled life is what? The bar. It's the norm. So we have this language. We've developed this language. I've seen it. I've talked to people about this. 25 years I have conversations. Well, yeah, they're a Christian, but are they spirit-filled? Like, we've, we've, we've relegated Christianity from being spirit Now, is there a fact that we haven't developed the relationship of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. You know what God wants? God wants one kind of Christianity. Anybody guess what it is? Spirit-filled. God wants one kind of Christianity. Spirit-filled. Man has messed this up. We have messed it up. We put all kinds of negative connotation on and all this language to it. And I'm just, I'm just trying to be very patient and very loving, very kind to that. But I do try to like, uh, let's just be careful here. The Holy Spirit is never going to put you in a headlock. Or karate chop you. The, the Holy Spirit, I think, is an inviter, just like Jesus was. Um, true story, um, I'm an Asbury uh, first uh, year or so. This is just a person, and then we'll finish up with the gifts. And uh, one quick word on the gifts and the fruit, uh, and then uh, any questions you got. And I'll be around all until lunch, I hope until lunch, and whatever you need. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm fasting. Yes, fasting should be a part of our Christian life. 
That's another topic. But, uh, but fasting should be a part of our Christian life. It's a discipline. It's a discipline that we should experience and we should kind of practice, uh, just like prayer, just like, uh, just like reading the Word of God is a, is a discipline. And so, so I'm, I'm fasting. I'm in Asbury. I'm on the end of a three-day fast. And I've been praying. This is really important. This is really key. I've been praying for the mind of Christ. Somebody say mind of Christ. I've been praying for the mind of Christ for these three days. This three-day fast, I've been praying for the mind of Christ. So, so I'm driving home uh, from Wilmore uh, in Lexington. There's a, there's a, it's called New Circle Road, uh, right? And, and it's, like a, it's like a bypass. So I'm on the bypass. I'm putting on my way home. You know, I'm on my three-day fast. I'm finishing my three-day fast. I'm going to go home and break my three-day fast. And I'm still praying, Lord, give me the mind of Christ. Give me the mind of Christ. I'm, I'm, dri- I'm driving. I'm in the left-hand lane. I do tend to drive a little fast sometimes. So I'm in the left-hand lane. God's still sanctifying me on that. So I'm driving over here, and I pass this kind of like this uh, mid-size, older sedan. And like a middle-aged woman, probably 40-ish at the time, 45, was driving. And I just look over. So I'm just driving. I look over. Boom! Instantly, 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 I knew that she was addicted to painkillers instantly. And I said, I just started praying. I said, Lord, can you help her please get off of painkillers and her addiction? And and within within like just a couple seconds, I'm, I'm like, oh, that was weird. I'm driving, boom, I'm passing a red farm, old, old farm pickup, old red farm pickup, all beat up, dirty. And this probably 80-year-old man is driving. He's skinny. His, his face is all kind of sunburned and, and worn out and, and, and wrinkled. And he's sitting there, and boom, all of a sudden I realize his wife has just died, and he's dying of loneliness. I said, Lord, please heal him. Please send him comfort. Send him. Please, God. I couldn't even finish that prayer. I'm passing uh, by far the nicer car, his little sports car. Little five speed, boom, and I passed this little sports car. But there's this woman, this young woman, probably I don't even know if she's twenty, twenty year old woman sitting in the in the driver's seat driving this little sports car. My little red Focus is passing the sports car, right? And I look over, boom, she's in a domestic violence relationship, and she doesn't know how to get out. Somebody tell me what I was praying and fasting for. Somebody tell me what I was praying and fasting for. The mind of Christ. Second Corinthians tells us, you know who has the mind of Christ? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one who knows the mind of Christ and can help us know the mind of Christ. You know who knows about those three people and every need they have? Jesus. And the way that you and I can walk in power and walk in in love and walk in grace is our prayer life. All of a sudden, I'm no longer on that hoverboard just kind of sitting there. Now I'm not. I'm knowing exactly how to pray for perfect strangers that I've never met and never probably will. Now I wish I could say that happens all the time. It does happen from time to time. But but there's other things about the Christian life. I'm just telling you that I believe happens because the Spirit of God is living in me, a supernatural person living within me. Oh my God. isn't, why not? Why am I afraid of it? Why, why not, why not, why not? Why it's in the spirit. It's the bar that I believe the Bible sets. I believe it's the bar. And I'll just say this really, really clearly. 
I believe if it's biblically done, the Holy Spirit, you know who I'm in more love with today than I've ever been in love with? Jesus. You know who the first love of my life is now? Jesus. You know who I love more than anybody else on the planet? Jesus. You know who I've fallen more in love with over the last four, five, six, eight years than ever before? Jesus. You know why? The Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit's job? To help me fall in love with Jesus more. You can't, if you if you do it biblically right, you can't have enough of the Holy Spirit because he will always help you fall in love with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to focus on Jesus. That's his job. Anybody want to fall in love with Jesus more? Then you need the Holy Spirit. You need more. You need more. Fruits and gifts. Um, we'll talk about this this week about fruits and gifts. Again, I think man has kind of uh, really kind of abused the gifts. I believe I believe in every gift. I believe in every gift. I believe in every supernatural gift. I believe in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. I've experienced it in my own life. And I, more importantly, I read it in the Word of God. I believe that there's supernatural gifts to be had for all of us and any of us in many different ways. But we all, the body of Christ, not everybody has the same gift. Amen? Not everybody has the same gift. And not everybody has all the gifts. Because if you have all the gifts, guess what you don't need? The body. Right? Right? I need you. You need me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we need each other as the body of Christ. Right? And uh, I know we focus way too much. We focus way too much on gifts and not fruit. Uh, for me and the church, what we've learned, one of the principles is we're going to focus on fruit. Y'all know the fruit, right? Y'all know the fruit? There's a VeggieTales song made famous right, by VeggieTales, right? Love fruit. What is it? Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, uh, 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 faithfulness, and, and self-control. And those nine parts fruit should be more important than any gift. Here's the reason. Um, my son, uh, he's now 28 years old. He's uh, about eight years old. True story. About eight years old. Uh, I was uh, busy with doing things. I'm a four-year or five-year Christian at the time, uh, but my wife was gone, and I did not have time to go to Walmart to do what I needed to get done uh, for the church. I had to, I had too much to get done. And my eight-year-old son walks up and says, Dad, I got an idea. I can go to Walmart for you. Now, he did say an idea. He didn't say bad or good. He just said an idea. And I looked at him, and I actually I grabbed my keys, and I did this. And he took a boom. He was gone. Now, I caught him before he left. But I just wanted to see if he was serious. He was, he was dead serious. When we focus on the gift before we focus on the fruit, we're like an 8-year-old taking a little trip to Walmart. There's probably going to be a wreck. There's probably going to be chaos, isn't there? So what we do, what we teach, one of the principles we teach is when you learn about the Holy Spirit, the person living in you, falling in love with Jesus more and more, right, understanding the Holy Spirit biblically, there should be fruit produced in your life. Amen? Come on, guys. I know we're, go, we're, we're almost there, but you can, this is really important. We'll talk about this this week. But you got to have fruit. Where's your love? Where's your joy? We make fun of patience as if God is funny. It's, it's funny to God that we need patience with a driver that's just not a very good driver anymore. We make fun of that. God doesn't laugh at that. Patience is a fruit. There are nine parts of the fruit that God says, I, if you have the spirit in you, those nine should begin. doesn't happen automatically, amen? But that fruit should develop. You know what we tend to do in the, in the church today when we talk about the Holy Spirit? We tend to gravitate toward the gifts. Give me the gifts. Give me the gifts. Give me the gifts. Give me the car keys, Dad. I'm going to go to Walmart, and I'm going to make a train wreck happen on the way. But, hey, at least I'm trying. No. 
you got a few more years of you learning how to drive, taking a test, and then finally, maybe, just maybe, you pass. Amen? Is that making sense? The church needs to do a lot better job, I think, in focusing on the fruit of the Spirit and then walking in the Spirit. Right? All right. I'm done. Any questions real quick? We got a few minutes. Any traction? Any questions? Any questions? I stole your mic. Any questions? Oh, okay. You beat that one. Any questions? Any thoughts? I just talked y'all out. Remember, I'm making up the law tonight. Yes, sir, right here. Yellow shirt right here. I think this might fit in the same realm as you know we argue about you know baptism in different ways, but anything to say about um, individuals or even pastors that really push the narrative that the Holy Spirit is a she and is feminine is is there any big deal about that? Great question. Uh, what's your name, man? Jimmy. Jimmy. Great question. Um, there is there is a there's talk. I mean, the spirit uh, in the Greek in the Hebrew in the Hebrew the word for spirit is ruach. And in Hebrew, it is a feminine word. Now, I think we have to be very careful taking a feminine word, meaning it has to be feminine, because that doesn't always mean it's just a, it's a, it's a, it, you know, just like any other language, feminine does not mean it can only be used by a girl or it can only be a male, can only be used by a male. But in, in that understanding, ruach has like mother qualities. Uh, ruach, the breath of God, the, 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 the again, the breath of God. In the Greek, pneuma is the word. And that's a male word. So there's male and female. I think what that means biblically is the Holy Spirit can relate to all. That's my sense of understanding. Um, I'm careful, and I don't want to get into a, I mean, I, I appreciate the question, but here's where we are. Here's where we are in our culture. I try really hard not to get into a pronoun battle. Um, but I know, so for instance, someone told me one day, uh, years and years ago, when I first came to Christ and I was ordained, about three years later, I was four day, maybe four years later, I was ordained as an elder. And I, they asked me to pray. And, and my, my normal prayer, just my normal prayer, Jimmy, is, uh, dear Father. And I prayed a prayer, and I think it was just for the whole group. And afterward, a wonderful man came up to me, wonderful dear man of God, came up and said, hey, come, he pulled me aside. He said, listen, I'm going to invite you as you learn about this ordination life, as you learn about being a pastor, don't ever pray using the name Father ever again because it could hurt people who had really bad experiences with their father. And I said, oh, like me. So I pray to my father because my father has redeemed my father on earth. And so I think that's kind of the sense. I'm careful changing wording just because of culture. And I'm just, I, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I, I get it. Uh, but I just, I'm very careful changing the wording that is so evident through Scripture because maybe culture leans that way. And because Scripture doesn't, and whatever the case. And um, do I believe uh, in a patriarch, patriarch, I can't say a word, a patriarchal culture? I don't. And I, and I think obviously the Scripture is written in that. But I also believe that God is a God. Because uh, there's scripture in Isaiah that says God is like a mother who brings her hen, like a chicken, like a mother hen, brings her chicks. I, I think we have to be careful assigning gender, but we also have to be careful changing language. Does that make sense? So I try to be kind of careful there. So Great question. Very much. The Holy Spirit's a nurturer, a comforter, 
Yeah, healer, the revealer. The Holy Spirit can move in power, but the Holy Spirit also wants to move in love and grace. And Great question. So I've learned recently, and it confirms, I thought you had said the Holy Spirit just to confirm. Um, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. Right. I don't get to go to the grocery store and pick out which fruits yeah, I yeah, want. Yeah. It's more like an orange. You get it all at once. Uh-huh. Each is a section. And so we can't just say, well, I'm going to choose love today and not yeah. patience. Yeah. It all comes it all grows at the same time. Um, and then also with your description of the hoverboard, sometimes the hoverboard can sit and drain battery mm. because I'm not giving the Holy Spirit or Amen. I'm not connecting it. It's not having the battery, the charge that it needs. Yeah. Or sometimes I give the wrong person the power to use me. Ooh, and yeah. sometimes That's they good. abuse me and it <coughs> doesn't go well. Yeah. But knowing, uh, giving the Holy Spirit permission to use me, he knows how to use appropriately and not abuse. And I don't, yeah. That's a great, what's your name? Melissa. Melissa uh, great word. Oh, that's right. Your hair's back. I, saw, I know, I know if your hair's pulled back from last night. Um, I know who you are. Um, but, um, yeah, I think uh, that's a really good word. And the one word I would land on is permission. Believe it or not, you do have to give God permission. You have to give God, you have to give the Holy Spirit permission to come into your life. The Holy Spirit's not going to force his way. You have to give him permission. And that's through surrender and surrender and surrender. He's not going to take over your life. He's going to come in to your life. But you have to give him permission. That's a great word. Great word. Anything else? Any other question? Any comment? Anything at all? Anything? Anything? All right, love you guys so much. Appreciate you. Uh, next uh, tomorrow, well tonight, Romans one. We'll dig in. Uh, we'll preach on that. What did I say? Romans eight. Sorry, yes. Yeah, say I was testing you. Good job. Romans eight, and then uh, and then the Bible study tomorrow. Uh, we'll have Bible study tomorrow on. Um, there's a I can't remember that. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do something else on the Holy Spirit. So all right. All right, um, I'll pray out, and uh, love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I, I am blessed and honored to be here. I'll hang around if you have any other questions you want to just ask up here, but love you guys. Lord, we love you so very, very much. We thank you, again, as Jen said, we just thank you for that breeze. Oh, my gosh, that has been just uh, fabulous. Oh, my gosh, delightful. And uh, just ask and pray that the breeze blows in us, just as she said. I can't get that image out of my mind, just as the hoverboard is a pretty good image, but that breeze. You want to refresh us. You, you want us to, yes, there's the heat of life, right? We're going to go through the heat of life. There's some real hard things in this world. But Holy Spirit, you do want to be the breeze. You want to be that. And Jesus, you sent the breeze. You sent the breath. This is why the very name of the Holy Spirit means breath or wind, that the wind of God would blow. I would just pray that the wind of God, Holy Spirit, that's you, the wind of God would blow in our lives, and we'd give you permission. We'd give you more permission. Some of us have, have experienced this, 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 this person in our lives for years. Some of us might be just learning about, about you. I pray, Holy Spirit, wherever you find us, you know exactly what we need, and you know exactly how to guide us and direct us. So like a hoverboard that maybe is ready finally for the expert to jump on, not someone who doesn't know what they're doing, but the expert, that's you, Holy Spirit. We are the hoverboard. You're the expert. And so we ask and pray, you just blow that breath in our lives. And, and as we sense you speaking to us and we sense you moving in us, we invite you. We give you permission 
use us, fill us, baptize us, and continue, Lord, to help me fall more, help us fall more and more in love with Jesus. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus, your mighty name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much.